Hey guys, it's Jazz here with another episode of Daily Journey with Christ. Today we're going to continue our journey through the book of 2 Corinthians as we read chapters 7, 8, and 9. As usual, we will conclude the episode off with a fact of the day. But for now, if you have an NLT translation of the Bible, I do recommend you opening it up and following along. If you don't and you're just tuning in to listen, that's completely alright as well. But for now, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone, nor led anyone astray, nor taken advantage of anyone. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I say this because you are in our hearts and we live or die together with you. I have the highest confidence in you and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all of our troubles. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of his encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I am sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your lives and ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for the kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. My purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wronged, I wrote to you so that in the sight of God, you could see for yourselves how loyal you are able to us. We have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we are especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way you all welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I've always told you the truth. And now my boasting to Titus has been proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers the way all of you obeyed him and welcomed him with such fear and deep respect. I'm very happy now because I have complete confidence in you. Second Corinthians chapter 8 Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, 
but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it with their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers of Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know how the generous grace of Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he can make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. But thank God, He was given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we have we are honorable. We are also sending with them another of our brothers who have proven himself many times and have shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is not even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, Say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers of Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you, in Greece, were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. 
but I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We have been embarrassed not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgedly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over and share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest and generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be gracious. And then we take your gifts to those who need them. They will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God and your generosity to them and all believers who will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. And that concludes... um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 8, and 9. I don't know about any of you, but when I read this, the thing that's coming to my head is uh, your tithe. And I know a lot of people are like, why do you give so much money to the church? And I know for me personally, the one thing I struggled with this at first is being like, I don't have much to give. Is I'm a student, I live on my own, and I wanted to be able to provide God's kingdom. And After speaking with my pastors, I realized that God doesn't expect me to pay thousands of dollars to the churches. He wants me to just pay enough that I'm given gracefully and making sure that I realize that I'm doing my contribution and that I need to remind myself that everything I have is actually God's and nothing truly belongs to me as this is God's kingdom, God's world. He created it all, meaning everything that I own actually belongs to God. And so me giving 10% of what I make or giving what I afford or I realize I can afford is all God wants. And I might be only be able to give at this point being a student $50 a month, but down the road when I have a steady income, I can up that maybe. And I think that's really important for us to realize is um, if the Old Testament, a lot of it was burnt offerings and sacrificing your animals. And in the New Testament is you don't have to do that in well, one thing you can do is your tithe, your monthly tithe, or you can give weekly or whatever works for you. And just remembering that it's all belongs to God, no matter how you view it all. Anyway, that concludes today's message. But to end off this podcast, I wanted to talk about time zones. 
because we just had a time zone change and I don't know about any of you, but somehow a one hour time zone actually will mess with my body so much. And it's crazy how just one hour can make such a difference. If it's gaining or losing, as there's the whole saying, spring ahead, fall behind. So we end up gaining an hour. But as I was thinking about time zones and time changes, I wanted to look at what country has the most time zones versus like Canada. And when I was doing it, I looked into Canada has six time zones. And the country that has the most time zones is actually Russia. And Russia is the biggest country of the world. And they actually have 11 time zones, which is ridiculous. And perspective wise is most of us know how big Canada is. And so when you actually think about it is Canada, Canada's, um, what's the word? Canada's landmass is actually 2.8 million square miles where Russia is 6.6 million square miles. So it just shows how big Russia truly is. So again, Canada has six time zones with a size of 2.8 million square miles, where the country of Russia is 6.6 million square miles and has 11 time zones. So that is my fact of the day. But for now, I'm going to sign off and say goodnight to everyone.